Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 600. 100, 100, 100. He looked up at the slate-colored sky. About another hour and a half like this, he rasped. Enough to track in, then maybe a quarter hour of bad light after that. The sun will go down quickly behind these clouds. Do you feel up to a little more running around today? I asked. He grinned. His grin surprised me. If we can find these bastards tonight, let's do it. They've kept me tramping around this godforsaken place long enough. I nodded, reaching out and took a pinch of damp ash from this pitiful small fire. I rubbed it between my fingers, thoughtfully, then wiped it onto a small rag and tucked it into my cloak. It wouldn't be a good source of heat, but anything was better than nothing. All right, I said. Tempe will lead us to the bodies. Then we'll see if we can trail them back to their camp. I stood up. Whoa, Dayton said, holding out his hands. What about us? You and Hespi stay here and guard the camp. I bit my tongue to keep from adding and try to keep the fire from going out. Why? Let's all go. We can take care of them tonight. He got to his feet. And what if there's a dozen of them? I asked in my best scathing tones. He paused, but didn't back down. We'll have the element of surprise. We won't have the element of surprise if all five of us go tramping around, I said hotly. Why are you going then? Dayton demanded. It could just be Tempe and Martin. I'm going because I need to see what we're up against. I'm the one that is going to be making the plan that will get us through this alive. Why should Greenwood like you be making the plan at all? We're losing the light, Martin interjected wearily. Blessed Taylu, a voice of reason speaks. I looked at Dayton. We are going. You are staying. That is an order. An order, Dayton echoed with dark incredulity. We eyed each other dangerously for a moment, then I turned and followed Tempe into the trees. Thunder growled through the sky above us. A wind moved through the trees, clearing away the endless drizzle. In its place, a steady rain began to fall. And that's the end of the page. Shit's getting real. Oh, dang. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. So this conflict has to happen in order for Rothfuss to force the fight to happen, the fight with the bandits to happen right now. Thanks to me reading forward, I know that there is some conflict that uh, resolves when Dayton and Hespi refuse to stay behind and join the party up at the uh, bandit camp. And as I think we can all agree, the prudent thing to do is scout ahead first and then make a plan. But I think Rothfuss has rightly agreed, has rightly decided that that uh, is not fun from a, uh, a pacing perspective. So he actually needs to force the action scene to happen right away. But he has set himself up with characters who we all know it would be odd if they just barreled forward like a D&D party into whatever waiting bandit camp was ahead. So he set up this conflict and this situation with the rain 
and Martin being sick. Even Martin, I think that he's made Martin sick because normally Martin would be a level head in this situation, but Martin is also eager to get it over with. Yeah, like logically what you do is like send Martin to scout ahead, like get Tempe to show him where the bodies are, let him and maybe Tempe scout ahead from there and then report back. But I don't think they want to leave Martin like on his own, right? Yeah, exactly. So this is all contrivance or let maybe it has a negative connotation, but whatever the positive versions of contrivance is, he, he wrote the book. It's, it's, it's a, it's a writer writing a book. It's all done in order to force the action scene to happen right away. When we all know that logically the, the right thing to do would be to plan before you actually do the attack. And the characters also know that. Yeah. So we know because Nick read ahead and, and also vague rememberings that like they're going to go and shit's going to go down and they're not going to be able to go get Dayton and Hespi. Is that what you're telling me? What he wants right now is to make Dayton Hespi stay and guard the camp. And they, the two of them go and scout it out and figure out what they're up against. But what ends up happening, spoilers for this book we've all read many times, is Dayton and Hespi refuse and they sneak up. They, they follow them. They won't stay with the camp and they, uh, they follow the party and they rejoin the party at the bandit camp. So they're actually all there and they want to attack right away. Right. Okay, so it goes from being a planned, more realistic thing to being a D&D party raid. Kind of, yeah. Like, he needs to set this up so that they do it like a D&D party. And much like a D&D party, they totally wing it. Quoth has to use his uh, daily power. <laughs> Martin gets a critical hit. They, they have to take a long rest afterwards. I also feel like this page carries over the group tension from the previous page. Like... That situation, it's not like Tempe showed up and they all went into like being professionals mode, which is what you would see happen in in a different kind of story, uh, like a Star Trek, for example. Like often what will happen is like they'll be having like a personal disagreement and then like, you know, the mission advances and suddenly they're all business again because they can all they're all grown ups enough to to decide that the mission is more important than whatever our personal beef is right now. And they get about it. But that's not what happens with these characters because as Quoth laments, like they're not really a team ever and they're all wet and tired and cold and sick, just generally fed up. So they're like, even in this urgent time, like they kind of just can't help bickering with each other because they're tired and cranky, which is kind of more realistic in some sense. Like even when I've been with like groups of friends you know, if it's like the end of a long trip or whatever, sometimes you're just like, you just get on each other's nerves because you've been together for so long and you've like been doing something that's taken a lot out of you. Mm-hmm. It is important to get social space, mm-hmm. which is different than social distancing. <laughs> Both important. Both important, but not the same. And like, you're right, Nick, that like, even in this moment, like Martin is the one who is kind of a voice of reason. Good. He's, he's the one who tries to just sort of move the conversation in a more productive direction he's like look we're losing the light we got to do something not just stand around here like snapping at each other yeah martin the professional and honestly he i think he ends up stepping up a little bit uh into his unasked for role of leadership at least like dayton trusts him right so maybe he's stepping up a bit because he knows that data needs to hear it. another interesting detail both takes some damp ash from the fire and he's gonna try and use that as a sympathetic link back to the fire in case he needs to do some sympathy, which is uh, clever. But I think it shows us that 
he couldn't have made the fire with sympathy because he didn't have anything to make a link with. maybe that's why he wanted the fire maybe that's why he was so frustrated because that's an easy link to sympathy yeah okay it's all coming together now I, I, I am a genius. I, I, I cracked the code. My, my close reading skills have revealed the secret that no reader before me could uncover. It seems pretty clear to me from the beginning of this chapter that he's just cold and wet and wants to warm himself up by the fire when he gets back and he's mad that he can't do that. But I also think that once the fire is going and the, you know, the need for sympathy might arise, you know, that's obviously a useful thing for a sympathist to have around. You should never be without one. Indeed. Anything else on this page, Jordana? Do we have a letter? I have one more thing. It is the end of a chapter. This chapter was called Losing the Light, which is kind of what's going on throughout the like back end of the chapter where he's asking about how much time they have left in the day. I also think that Losing the Light is a... I don't know if euphemism is the right word. It's a metaphor for how their relationship is working out because they're not so bright and happy with each other anymore. I think you're 100% right. That's what I would have said, Jordana. Your close reading skills. They're losing the light in their heart. (laughs) Your training is complete. Okay, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, So does that make me a, a Padawan or a... Oh, no, wait. If my training's complete... You are ready to face the trials. <laughs> you are headstrong and you have much to learn, but you are ready to face the trials. What are the trials? And we have a letter today. A letter from uh, Laurie, Jordana's favorite, who writes, Watch my back, page 581. Kvoth only pulled the knife after Tempe inadvertently used the idiom, Watch my back. I believe Kvoth wouldn't have pulled a knife if he had not been asked. Kvoth could tell that Tempe was confident in his abilities and wasn't planning to intervene until that moment. By asking someone to watch your back, you are asking for help. Kvothe was not confident in his own fighting skills, especially against multiple opponents. Thus, he pulled his knife in order to able in order to be able to protect his friend. Stay amazing, signed Lori, Jordan's favorite. Lori makes a good point. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't think any of us would disagree with that. But I think that if if Kvothe had been listening, if he had been paying more attention, he might have twigged that Tempe is not yet able to use idiom in a Turin, so he's probably not being idiomatic, he's being literal. I mean, I think you're right that Quoth wouldn't have pulled the knife if Tempe hadn't said, watch my back, and Quoth had been like, oh man, Tempe might need my help. Oh shit, what do I do? I don't know how to fight. I better have a knife ready so I can scare them off if things go bad. But uh, I think that Quoth's mood in that scene is just so wildly vacillating between calm and panic as he himself admits that uh, you know i don't think we can confidently say what exactly close would have done if tempe had had not said watch my back i i'm sort of like the jury's out on whether or not quoth would have pulled the knife if tempe hadn't said anything like i think it has there's a lot of variables that could still occur that might make him do that so I don't know. I don't know. But for the most part, I agree, I guess. Well, listeners, you can agree with our most parts on tomorrow's page. Uh, the <laughs> <way>. <laughs>